Expert Talk is sponsored by Pod Nation TV, the podcast to broadcast network. You know where you are, expert talk with me, Tigo. And today we're going to fix something. You know, we had some technical issues. The internet was going in and out. We were kind of going, what? And I think it's because he's a fan of the wrong sport team. But I'm not going to get into that. I gave him enough hard time before. As you can see, Darius is here. Mr. Darius Ross, what's happening? Welcome back to the show. I- I'm doing excellent. You, Miss Goss, how are you doing? I am having a blast, you know. I got quite a few phone calls, or I should say messages, saying, wait a minute, he's talking about, you know, urban and, and real estate, and, and he's answering questions. You got to get him back, because our internet just kept going in and out that day. And I was told by a good friend of ours, the yay lady, Jennifer Hammond, that she's in D.C., and she said it was because of the storms that were happening in Florida, yes that it wiped out internet all over the East Coast. And it never dawned on me that you could have problems in New York from a storm that was going on, you know, way down the coast like that. So the transmitters, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm super happy that you could come back and I wanna jump right back in. But before we do, let's refresh their memory a little bit about what you do and where you are. If you haven't figured it out, you know, by the picture behind them, the man is in New York, <laughs> even though he was born in Chicago. I think that should be a Chicago skyline, but I just make he's in New York. Now, what what got you into the field of real estate in the first place? I got involved in real estate from a little kid about six years old. And that was based upon I used to take the boxes and build a Sears Tower because we lived on the west side of Chicago near Fillmore and Kedzie. So I could look out the window and see the Sears Tower. So every single day I'd build the towers and every single night my mom would tear them down. So it was like on and on and on. So I either knew I wanted to be an architect or I was going to be some kind of junk guy because it was like I love the Sears Tower. So that was my fascination with it. So from that point forth, it was like real estate became an automatic thing. I was always around some buildings doing interior design or outside doing something about the property. So that's what it became. Okay, see, now you went there. And I'm sure there's a young person sitting at home going, I did that. Are they doing it now where they're building like, you know, Sears Tower or mm-hmm. or John Hancock building or mm-hmm. something all the time? And they're thinking the same thing. So if they're a young person or maybe someone is looking to change their career and they're thinking, maybe I want to get into real estate. How would you advise them to get started? First start a business, especially for parents. This is the advice that goes to parents. Understand if you've got a kid that's spending a lot of time in their imaginary world, because that was a big thing for me. It was like I was the only kid. So I had no other choice but to be imaginative. So I had my G.I. Joes and my Axe and Jacksons and the Barbie dolls and the Ken dolls. And I'm like, hey, we were hooking them up. Barbie and Ken are sitting there 10 feet up, feet kicked out and they're enjoying it. So the thing that I say to parents is give your kid plenty of things to work with. If it's boxes, if it's crates, if it's popsicle sticks, I had the popsicle sticks as a tower antennas. So you gotta be as creative as possible. But for the young person, I tell them, keep your imagination going learn as much as you can from my dad used to come in and throw the Forbes and fortune on the ground. 
And I had to learn about who the CEOs were and master it. Oh, Give them architectural books. Give them books about building. Give them books, even if you think they're not advanced enough. You'd be surprised how advanced these kids are. And then take them out on construction sites. Let them experience it. You know, for the kid that now gets to be high school, go to a Votech school. There's tons of money in Votech and vocational studies. But the bottom line of it is, everybody wants to say to go to college. No, no, no. There's some people are making three or $400,000, if not millions of dollars a year at a crane. That guy that's in the tower of that crane is spinning that building around, he's making half a million and has probably less than a year's worth of education. Wow. Now, see, you're, you're talking my language because my dad worked for the U.S. steel mill for mm -hmm. 37 years. Mm -hmm. He started literally bending steel by hand, mm -hmm. had bird marks all up his arm, mm -hmm. but ended up running, you know, the biggest cranes in the world. Right. And he just worked his way up there. And, you know, he retired in 87. So he was still making mm -hmm. a decent living um, mm -hmm. for a sharecropper's son. He was right. making a, a decent living, but it's nothing like what they're making now. And mm -hmm. he used to talk about that before his passing. It's like he, he just missed the window. He would say, I just missed the window by this yep. much. But right. yeah, you really can make a lot of money, you know, working a tech, you know, whether you're a That's programmer right. or construction or architecture or you know there's so many things production you know there's so That's many right. things out there that you can do whether you go to college or you learn on job training mm -hmm. or you go to some kind of tech you are absolutely correct so mm -hmm. when somebody says well you know my mom is a waitress and my dad he's worked odd jobs his whole life you know i i don't come from those backgrounds i don't have people that are working their own business or in real estate or whatever I don't think it's for me because I don't have anybody in my support group. What would you tell them? I tell them right off the bat. My dad worked as a machine operator, worked his way up, like you said about your father, to mm -hmm. being the plant manager and the superintendent of a plant facility that was making paper at the times. It's now James Rivers, but that's what he did. My mom worked in the cafeteria. But at the end of the day, the issue of the hour was, is that don't think that just because you come from terrible backgrounds as we want to call it or less than or because mm -hmm. you were struggling the bottom line of it is your determination you know there's always somebody out there that will it open is. the door for you and you know i had a list of people's from the nuns to you know there was sister out there there was mike flager the uh pastor of the church there was always somebody that was there that was like listen you got some insight it's on but you got to seek out those people and not be afraid to turn around and show your talent and that talent be shown in the game you can't do that yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. what you're saying but let's talk let's shift gears a little bit let's talk a little bit about you know nowadays women are getting into real estate women are buying properties for themselves maybe investment properties how is that affecting with black women 
with African-American women? Are they jumping into this real estate market as well? And how are they doing it? I'm going to go down the rabbit hole here, which is going to make some women a little bit upset. Uh -oh. And that is no more luxury goods. We have to stop making Louis Vuitton. We have to stop making Gucci and all the Lebowns rich. It starts right there. If you spend $1,000 times 12 pairs, that's 12 grand. Yes, you're making six figures, my sisters. But at the end of the day, that's the down payment on a $100,000 house. So let's stop there. Yes, brothers, you got a Rolex. But at the end of the day, get the Rolex after you have an apartment building to pay for. Okay? Ooh. Those women that are on uh, public assistance, if four or five of you got together with the amount of money you're bringing in the door, you buy a building. You create a daycare. You're creating money. You're creating opportunity. Uh, see where that's going to go. So the bottom line of it is, are Black women jumping in? Unfortunately speaking, some of them are, but the vast majority are not because they're still caught in this credit thing. And here's the thing I say to that. If you're riding around in a Jaguar that runs $1,000 a month plus $600 in insurance, let's do the mathematics. Is it easier to walk or catch the bus to work and take that same money that went to, uh, and I like uh, Joe Perillo because he gave my first BMW, but at the end of the day, Joe gets less money and you get the house, the condominium, or the apartment, okay? So it comes to recalibrating, reconfigurating, and reforming where we spend our money at. We got to stop being consumers and start being asset producers. Wow. Okay, so in, in Chicago terms, he's saying get away from the red bottom to get to the red brick. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. I totally mm -hmm. understand that. And it's true. You know, we get caught up and it's not just, you know, African-Americans, it's people everywhere. We mm -hmm. get caught up because you see advertising coming at you, you know, 24 hours a day now. You can't mm -hmm. turn on your phone or go online or even turn your television on without, you know, FOMO happening. You know, you're, you're afraid mm -hmm. of missing out and you're running out buying the latest designer mm -hmm. cars or clothes or whatever, mm -hmm. because that's trending. But the minute, you know, you buy a car off the lot, the value, the minute you, you, you put a tag on it and drive it around mm -hmm. the corner. If you try to go back and sell it back to the dealership, they're going to drop it by 20% or more. And all mm -hmm. you did was drive it around mm -hmm. the block, you know? Mm -hmm. So I totally, I totally agree with you. And, you know, being somebody that's 57 years old, the things I'm learning in my 50s, if I had somebody around or if I had done the research myself exactly. in my 30s, I'd be so much further down the road. And people believe that you have to, you know, they watch those shows on Bravo and other networks that you have to have millions before you can even buy your first home or, or make an investment or anything like that, because that's the image they project on the screen. And that's not the case, correct? That's correct, because here's a trick to that. What people aren't looking at on there is Kim Kardashian created a tape, a tape that created a billion dollar enterprise. Now, if you can leverage that kind of thing, then wonderful. But they're getting paid per episode a quarter million dollars. Mm -hmm. And everything they get, which people don't understand, is being comped. Operative mm -hmm. word, comped. They're not buying the luxury items because they want to be seen at various uh, festivals and events. They're able to get free stuff. Yep. If you're not getting it free, then don't buy it until you have the financial resources to buy it, which translates into the following. If your net worth and your asset base is not six to seven figures and cash liquid, I'm gonna repeat that, cash liquid means, means you can go out there and you can touch it and don't buy it. Very simple. Ooh, okay. 
Now I'm gonna change gears again. We're gonna we're gonna take the left ramp now. It's 2021 right now, and I realize y'all may be watching this in 2035 or heck 2055, but right now it's 2021, and this rental crisis is no joke. So, what advice do you have for people that are just trying to survive? What's going on in the rental markets right now? You got a situation right now where if you've been out of the rental game as far as paying rent for the last 24 months, there's two situations there. You haven't paid in 24 months and you were making payments every single month of a thousand to two to three thousand dollars a month. How much money should you have saved? Plus, Mr. Mm -hmm. Biden's special uh, special. So that means that some people are sitting around there and have gotten themselves about a hundred grand. You should be able to buy yourself a house now. Who gives, excuse me, I'm about to put this, who gives a shit about not paying the landlord? You should be able to go out and buy the house now in cash because you saved all that money. So what I'm saying is now it's time to do Monday night quarterbacking. If you have not saved that money up and you are now spending, it is now time to consider the fact that all the landlords are going to be on what we call the we house system. You can't go to Phoenix and think you're going to avoid paying rent because the guy in Phoenix is actually owned the property from New York. Mm. So now you have the same New York company that owns a property in Phoenix because what's happening is now the real estate industry is being cannibalized. So you have the same companies owning the same properties throughout America. You can't run, ladies and gentlemen, so you better start making agreements to pay. Pay them or negotiate to pay them. Or wow. buy the house with the money that you saved. Because you have know saved a lot of money. Most did not save. Mm -hmm. Most, mm -hmm. you know, I was cracking up about a year ago and it was like the first or second stimulus check came out and I saw a video clip. I think they were in LA guy on a bicycle mm -hmm. with a 50 inch television strapped to mm -hmm. his back that he just mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm like That's are right. you serious right now it, right. it was it was very interesting so yeah I totally agree it's about to get ugly and I don't know what people were thinking that it, it, it has to end at some point whether COVID ends or not because I mm -hmm. think we're going to be stuck with COVID like the flu but whether yeah. COVID ends or not this whole you know mandates and all this stuff has to come to an end at some point because the numbers are going to say you need to be out we need to be doing what we got to do and we got to keep moving forward or we're just going to stop and die and that's not going to happen they're not no. going to let that happen so i totally agree with you all right so we got to talk about i mean you live in new york i'm trying to forgive you for that but you know <laughs> i live in i live in vegas so we grow up in chicago and then we Hopefully, you know, either make it up in Chicago or make it out of Chicago. So tell me about growing up in the shy. What was that like? At that time, we're talking about the mid 80s. So this was the beginnings of the crack epidemic. Mm. And luckily enough for me, I actually went to a Catholic school, which was a seminary, Quigley South. And with that being said, we had a lot of things that were positive, but you still had to come back to the neighborhood, which was a negative. And depending mm -hmm. on whether you were in what is considered GD, which is Gangster Disciples, or BD, Black Gangster Disciples, and or the Stones, or whatever the case may be, you're crossing multiple territories, which at the end of the day, you've got to figure out what you're wearing, how you're wearing, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So having seen and experienced a lot of people, and I would say probably close to 100 plus of my young friends die, you can't appreciate death until, you know, it's like PTSD. It's like I had that when I was 16, because mm -hmm. you saw so many people dying. I mean, that was real. But at the end of the day, I think the big thing was, was that having parents that were very forceful and what you couldn't, couldn't do because I was around all the influences. 
what was the difference was the teachers that made the difference, the parents that made a difference, and even the neighbors. We still had the neighbors that believed in the principle of if you get caught, everybody gonna hear about it. So you just didn't wanna get caught. But it was a time of a trying time. You just knew right from wrong. And there were still parents that were at home. You know, shortly mm -hmm. thereafter, you know, we went through the process of the early 90s where, you know, a lot of parents were incarcerated because of the drug trade. Wow. Wow. So what about now? You know, what about now? I look at my grandsons, um, especially my 15 year old. I always say he's 15 going on 30. Um, what about now growing up in the inner city? What would be your advice on, you know, how to survive day to day in this environment today in 2021? You've got to talk to these kids and you've got to be real about it. You know, as a woman, if you're in a lot of cases, what's happening, they're waiting uh, young men by themselves. You have to be real and you have to be what I would call a kick-ass mama. Mm. You got to go around that house and make sure everybody understands mama don't take no stuff, period. Isaiah Thomas' mom said it best. You got to be that kind of mom. No nonsense. You call it a tiger mom, whatever you want to call it. Be prepared to put your foot in your son's butt. And yeah. be able Daughters to understand, too. that's right. Well, I'm going to get to them in a second. I'm going to get to them yeah. in a second. Though. Okay. But it's the boys first, because they're the one creating the violence. It's not the girls that are creating violence. We don't have a bunch of gang girls. We have a lot of gang guys. Girls just follow behind. Mm -hmm. But as far as the girls are concerned, just being able to have a situation where that young lady understands that she does not have to sacrifice herself because she's just the property of somebody. Being able to have self-esteem, appreciation for who she is, being able to understand what school is all about, and more importantly speaking, there is life out of the ghetto. You know, if we got to call it what it is, that's what it's become. You know, you've had places when they're calling it Chirac, more bodies that have died there 10,000 in the last 10 years, 20 years, based upon the urban violence. And that's all based upon the fact that nobody cares to realize these kids are hurting. And they're angry because they have nothing else to do. We had CETA, JTPA, we had all kind of job training programs. We had things that were going on skating rinks you know i remember screaming wheels and all those kind of things we don't have that anymore you know we used to oh, hang out yeah. of those theater, days. Right? <laughs> that's right you know even the restaurants where there was mr ricky's there was uh shit ricks and all these places we had places that were cool mm -hmm. these kids have no place to go so they're volatile mm -hmm. expert talk is sponsored by pod nation tv the podcast to broadcast network I have a quick question for you. Do you want a professional agency to handle all your video creation, syndication and monetization needs? Here at Melrose 11, we specialize in getting you the results you need to help you grow your business by generating new leads, driving more traffic and closing more sales without breaking your bank. We create animated explainer videos, social teasers, catchy intros, full HD commercials, and even viewer interactive videos. So, if you're looking to elevate your brand, or attract more leads, generate more sales, increase traffic, or build up more exposure for your business, then you've definitely come to the right place. Our professional team will develop your video campaigns at an affordable price, with our fast turnaround and a quality of work that can't be beat. We look forward to working with you. Okay, so let's talk about this. We tell them, 
I was told, I'm pretty sure you were told, you know, that you need to have a role model. You need to have mentors. You know, I was blessed enough to have that my whole life. I still have mentors. I still have role models at this age. But if you're a young person in the inner city, back in Chicago or in New York or LA, it's not just Chicago, it's all over the country. Heck, it's all over the world for that matter. You know, what would you tell them? How do they find a role model? How do they even know what a role model is and find a mentor? Let's go this route. A role model is somebody that has been successful in their industry and they are willing to give you an opening, okay? Doesn't mean that they necessarily are going to pave the way, but they're willing to give you an opening. And having mm -hmm. said that, sometimes you have to realize what you want to do. You know, okay, I want to be an engineer. Well, take the time out to go into the uh, library, which is what these kids don't really understand now. They Google everything. Well, right. okay, Google them. Google the number of engineers that work at certain companies in an area that you can get to. And go and send an email, because this is what they do, send an email and go and talk to this guy. Or make a list of 10 people and go and talk to them. Find a local CEO and go and talk to them. You'd be surprised how it's like the ego thing. I know how I feel. You know, I'm infatuated or enthralled when somebody says, listen, can I be you? Okay, let me tell you how this works. So you have to reach out. A lot of times I don't even know you exist. So until you reach out to me, I don't even know you're there. Right. But that's a big thing, being able to realize that you've got to go and seek out those mentors. Sometimes in school back in the day, the teachers sought you out. They'd give you special programs and special opportunities. Well, a lot right. of that's gone now. So now as a young person, you've got to find them. I'm sorry, you got to get out there and get them. You know, sometimes it might be that uh, post office, postal worker there that you have to see like, I want to be a postal worker. Okay, fine. It might be the cop that you see that that is uh, the lieutenant. And I know how people, uh, young people are now have an issue with the police. But again, if you like his job, talk to him. A lot of times mm -hmm. people want to find out that people are enthralled by what they do and it gives them a reason to share. You have a real passion for youth and, and for projects that help the youth, you know, not just in your local area, even though it is New York, um, but <laughs> worldwide, you know, worldwide. What is your vision for what's coming in the next, you know, five years, 10 years, as we hopefully come out of this COVID crisis? I see we're going to have a huge problem with young people, particularly speaking, like we're starting to see it in Africa and Nigeria and India and so forth. So we're going to have to create programs that we're looking at now this alpha generation that's just being born 2013 and on. And these kids need something from a governmental basis as well as a private industry for programs to help them, you know, achieve things. So one of the things I'm doing is creating my 716 scholar program. It's based upon my birthday, July 16th. But within that, to provide young people a way in starting next year into the construction real estate industry and just train them as to how to be entrepreneurs, how to actually understand the business and be creative. But those are the kind of programs that are gonna to have to happen. Philanthropists are gonna to have to start looking at getting in there and getting involved because we're only gonna look at a world that's gonna be half and half of older people over 50 and the other half between 18 and 35. And that's a lot of testosterone, a lot of estrogen, and a lot of energy going no place. So we got to mm -hmm. start fixing it before it gets out of hand. Wow. I know I got to let you get out of here and get you out of the hot seat, but I, I, I you know, I'm having a great time just learning and, and listening. But I've got to ask you about Section 8. You know, I've got family members that have had Section 8. I've known people throughout the years that have had Section 8, but I've never looked at it from the real estate side of Section 8. 
it, do you plan that? I mean, as a real estate investor, do you go, okay, this house or this building, these apartments, I'm going to convert those to Section 8? How does all that work? Okay, case in point is that if you're looking at a Section 8 property, okay, here's the situation with that whole project. They've closed the listings now, but there are still Section 8 certificates that are out there. So the ability to be able to get those are basically either through the county or through the local establishment there, local governments okay. there. Okay. And a lot of that is based upon the fact of how that project is planned and laid out. So, for example, if you want to take a house and turn it to Section 8, relatively easy. You're just contacting local DSS and saying that I'm looking for people that have that certificate and I want to put them in there. But here's the problem. You've got to make sure that property is up to snuff. Everything has to be right. Ladies and gentlemen, no slumlordism. You can't just say, okay, I got this property and you half-assed it. You can't do that. Make everything and exact and make it all work very important and with that in mind that's the problem that's very key now within that you're guaranteed that money every single month you know you got a month or two lag time basically but after that flows through consistently but the biggest thing of it is for landlords is understand that you're dealing with the government authority so they want to make sure everything is on point you gotta make sure the roof the plumbing the heating the electrical and especially the electrical and the heating has to pass code because they've got kids mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and you have to be able to maintain that property on a consistent basis every single year. Make sure that property meets the snuff. Everything's got to be right. No, I appreciate that. And, and I know we, we've kind of just touched on a little bit here and a little bit there. And I would love for you to come back and maybe we can Absolutely. just dig in on, you know, just the youth project or come and talk about Section 8 or, you know, Absolutely. maybe come and talk about growing up in Chi-Town, even though you moved. I moved too, so I, <laughs> I can just give you a hard time. But I, I know there's so much more. We, we did the 50,000 foot view um, of what you do and what your specialty is. And I know there's a lot of people out there that would love to understand just how this business of real estate works. Because for a long time, it was the great secret. You know, you knew Mr. Johnson did real estate, but you didn't know how he did it. You know, you knew Ms. Smith inherited real estate, but you didn't know how her father or her mother purchased that real estate in the first place. So having you come on every once in a while will be awesome if you're open to it and we could just dig into a subject. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate it. No problem. That'll be awesome. So I want to thank you for coming on out and hanging out with us. If somebody wants to reach you, what's the best way to contact you? It is DariusARoss.com. And they can reach me on all social medias, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. All right, everybody. He said you can reach out to him at DariusARoss.com. Reach out to this young man and talk to him about your real estate dreams. Your dream of being an entrepreneur, period. He's a pretty cool dude, even though he's not a Bears fan. We'll live with that. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you'll watch next time. And as always, I'm Tigo. I'll talk to you next time. Oh,